Vermont Viewpoint is a public affairs program produced and funded by WDEV and the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to vtviewpoint at radiovermont.com. Good morning. It's Brad Furlan, your Monday host on Vermont Viewpoint, WDEV here in historic Waterbury, Vermont. Uh, we have a great show today. I'll be starting out uh, with Charlie Papillo of Travels with Charlie fame and a lot of other things. At 10 o'clock, I've got Elliot Greenblatt with AARP. He's going to talk about a lot of the fraud that's out there and how to protect yourself from that. And at 10.30, uh, Burlington Mayor Moreau Weinberger is joining me. We're going to talk about probably the fireworks tonight and the fact that you can see them through the the uh, the fires from Canada haze, but maybe that'll make them look kind of psychedelic. And then uh, we'll, we're talking a little bit about the Vermont motels and the homeless communities and where that's at and maybe how that can be done a little bit better. Uh, so, and it's 4th of July Eve, uh, so we will be, uh, talking a little bit about the country's history and, and all of that. But I want to welcome my good friend, Charlie Papillo to the show. Welcome, Charlie. Hello, boys. <laughs> uh, some of you get that, some of you don't. Uh, you know, that goes back uh, many, many years. But first off, Brad, I just got to say, you know, what a thrill this is because you and I go way back. And of course, uh, you, you became, uh, you know, part of, uh, you know, the show that I used to do. And I'm always, you know, very kind that, you know, we don't mention other call letters on other <laughs> radio stations, but you all know the radio station that I'm talking about, where I worked uh, for more than 20 years, and that's where I met Brad Furlan. Uh, Brad would, uh, you know, send me emails or uh, phone calls and say, "Hey, Charlie, I got a great idea for a guest. You would represent these people, and uh, you know, we got some fantastic guests from you." And that's how our relationship started. And uh, you know, here it is now, you know, 25, 30 some odd years later, and. I'm on the opposite side of the microphone. It's Brad's show. <laughs> well, and, and I actually lobbied Brad. I said, hey, Brad, can I come on your show sometime? <laughs> well, it's great to have you here. And you obviously have been a great mentor to me and uh, helped me. Uh, I had not done radio and did a little bit of guest uh, hosting last year and then the Monday slot came up and uh, I took it on, but I really have appreciated all the help that you have given me um, coming into this. And I'm thinking about some of the, sh- the shows there, some of the guests that came on your show that you interviewed. Uh, Patrick Moore was one yes. who was one of the most brilliant men that I ever met. He was one of the co-founders of Greenpeace. Yeah. He was from up in Canada and he would you know, get on to these uh, skiffs and go after the whaling boats. They'd, yeah. they'd be filming the uh, the clubbing of the harp seals. And then they got into the nuclear with the, you know. Which was interesting because he was a proponent of nuclear energy. He was, yeah. And he differentiated between nuclear energy and nuclear weapons. Right. And was very clear that they were not the same thing. Uh, so... 
Yeah, it was really it was fun to bring guests to you, and you were always uh, cordial. We went through uh, trying to get Walmart into St. Albans for about fifteen years, yeah. uh, because it turns out that Vermont has some some strict environmental laws. <laughs> well, and you know we see that uh, everywhere. With um, you know, as a member of the uh, Colchester Select Board, we've got a. Uh, a voter-approved rec center that uh, is, uh, you know, slated to get started, and uh, currently they've they've started taking down some trees where the uh, roadway will be, uh, you know, leading up to it. And there are people out there that are already, you know, yelling and screaming uh, that we, you know, we're skipping through some of the hoops. We didn't do everything. We we're our due diligence and. Uh, that's not true. Uh, you know, everything is up to code. We're doing everything up to code. But there's always the people out there that, you know, we don't want it. <laughs> you know, why not? <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, we don't want Wal. You know, I used to always find it so funny with nobody wanted Walmart. And then when it came, you, could, you couldn't find a parking space. <laughs> right. You know, well, you know where would these people come from? They don't you know. Nobody wanted Walmart. I don't get it. Well, there's an interesting backstory to that too, because it was, uh, the, the group that was opposing it, mainly the formalized group yeah. was to the preservation of downtown St. Albans, which of course, yeah. we don't want to lose our downtown. Right. It's helped the downtown though, has it not? It, the downtown St. Albans, if you haven't been up Nord, <laughs> come up. It's downtown St. Albans is beautiful. That they've, just done so much, uh, to, to the, you know, the, the shops are thriving. There's a nice symmetry. There's a department store on the edge of town. Yeah. And then there's a beautiful that you can eat. There's all yeah. sorts of eateries. Yeah. I, I love your downtown. I just, I love the makeup of it. Uh, you know, it looks like an old downtown. That's what it reminds me of. Yeah. You know, like Burlington when you used to be able to drive yeah. down the street. And of course, Burlington now, uh, well, you've got the mayor coming up uh, later on the program. And, uh, you know, they're still struggling with, uh, the, the mall, which is no longer there. It's the hole in the ground, but they are finally working. But look how long that took to get that going. So many people that are, that opposed it and slowed it down and stopped it. And then you had developers that said, I don't have any more money to fight yeah. it. I'm leaving. Uh, but St. Albans has a wonderful, wonderful downtown. Uh, uh, I, 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 I gotta make a point to get up to the, is it the hangry donut? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you may or may not want to do that. I don't know. Oh, oh, oh I'd, I'd have some fun in there. Believe me. <laughs> I, my, what I heard, and I, I don't want to cast aspersions, yeah. but that donuts were $5 a piece. Whoa, man. Uh, oh my goodness. Wow. So, but, you know, maybe they're really gigantic. Maybe they're the size of car tires. Well, you know, there's a there's a there's a saying, and you know, it's a, one that my my good friend uh, Senator Dick Mazza told me a long time ago was that uh, people will, you know, they may say something about price, but if the food's not good, that's that's, that's the, the issue. That's yeah. the real issue. You yeah. know, people will say, you know what? I had the best donut. I had the best whatever. They may bring up the price, but if the price is high and the food is not good, you're going to hear both. Yeah, for sure. We're going to go to the phone lines now. Uh, Fred, Fred from Newberry, how are you this morning? Well, I'm pretty good for an old timer. <laughs> how about yourself? I'm doing well for an old farmer too. 
No, I said old timer. Old timer. Ah. Well, keep We've, us out of that, Fred. We're not old timers. Yeah. <laughs> Even though oh, my great, body great. aches in the morning when I get out of bed, Fred. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah the, you know, I, I wasn't an old timer too long ago, and boy, it comes fast. Hey, so, anyways, you guys, I got a great one for you. Right now, we have a volunteer military, and nobody wants to join up. So Congress is going to have a real, real nasty pill to have to swallow because we're losing combat brigades because we can't replace the people that would, you know, volunteer for the Army. Mm -hmm. So my big, question, my big question is right now, I think we ought to have a binding national referendum. And that binding referendum would have two questions. Would you vote for reinstating the draft? Or would you vote for reinstating prohibition? What would your vote be? <laughs> <laughs> I love that, Fred. Boy, uh, there's some choices there, huh? <laughs> yeah, and and you remind me of an old W.C. Field story that I, I may have told. Uh, he and two of his pals, two of the Hollywood guys, were pretty drunk, and they decided from the bar that they would head over to the recruiting office and uh, sign up because they were feeling very patriotic and they went in and the uh, recruiting recruiting officer took one look at him and said who sent you the enemy <laughs> <laughs> you know fred brings up a point about uh you know enlistments down but it's not just uh, you know the army it's not just the armed services it's wherever you look whoever you talk any business that you talk with how many businesses do you know that they are now on a schedule where we're not open on Mondays and Tuesdays. We're not open. Uh, we're just doing breakfast and lunch. We're not doing dinners. Um, other, you know, businesses that uh, that have not been able to open, and it's simply because they don't have the manpower. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been difficult all around. And when you see the sign and you go in, and then you know stock yeah. is down and all of that, it's you know we're still well. What's it all tied to? It and, and much of it is certainly pandemic era. That's uh, where this all came from. Where uh, you know people were getting checks to sit home, and they found out this is pretty easy. It's pretty tough to get them to come back now. Yeah, I still wonder what are they doing. And then of course you've got uh, uh, you know the promise that. Don't worry about that loan that you took out for college and you don't have a job yet because you have some degree that is really not even, you know, useful. Uh, but we're going to, you know, we're going to absolve $20,000 of your debt. Well, that certainly we found out uh, did not go through. It's unconstitutional as it should be. Uh, I would love to hear from people about, uh, what are, what are their thoughts on that? Because if, if we're going to forgive Student loans? Why just student loans? What about somebody that in 2018 took out a mortgage for a home and found out that, you know what, I'm having a tough time. I lost my job. I'm not right. making as much because of COVID. I had to take two years off. Why aren't they getting forgiveness? Why just students? And when does it end, right? And, 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 and is it, is it simply an issue where somebody's trying to buy votes? Yeah. I'm talking with my good friend, uh, Charlie Papillo this morning, uh, host of Travels with Charlie and a whole lot more. Charlie, we did uh, a series called Travels with Charlie as well, which yeah. was 40 
video series where we traveled all over the state. And we had, really did. There uh, were some places that we went uh, that GPS didn't even work. <laughs> right. <laughs> I remember that. I was on some dirt roads <laughs> up in the kingdom, and oh. I didn't know if I was going to come back alive. <laughs> Start hearing banjos. <laughs> uh, so we we took. Uh, a lot of issues that may have been considered controversial yeah. in some aspects, but the whole premise was, do you want to talk about that, what the premise was? Well, we we really didn't uh, want to show any opinion at all, which was kind of tough for me because I did an opinion-based radio program for so many years. When I retired from radio, that's when you approached me and said, got an idea to do this this video series. We hadn't come up with a name yet, and we grabbed uh, Travels with Charlie. Uh, you know, it worked for John Steinbeck, so we said, <laughs> right. well, let, let's try it. Yeah. Maybe people will think it's, it's Steinbeck-related, and they'll actually tune in. Uh, and we traveled all across Vermont, and we hit all kinds of topics that really hit people. But what we tried to do, we did, we tried to do uh, two things. Uh, first off, show both sides of the issue, and we did that by inviting both sides of a topic in. Uh, but we also tried to do it with a little bit of humor. There was always a twist at the end of the segment. Uh, there was always a little bit of fun, sometimes even with the guests uh, that we had on, in the hopes that people would watch the video. And we kept it short. We didn't do, you know, 20 or 30 minute videos. They were anywhere from 8 to, to 14 minutes long, which for me, somebody that grew up uh, in radio and you did a four-hour program or a three-hour program, and that's what it took, three hours. Uh, when you did these 12-minute videos, it would take a day. Uh, typically, we would do two, you know, two video shoots in a day, but it would take hours sometimes. Uh, you know, something that I was never used to was – all right, let's do it from a different angle now. Right, right. <laughs> it's Put like, the camera low down. Oh, wait a minute. You know, I already <laughs> delivered my lines and you want me to, del- and, and much, you know, it wasn't scripted, but uh, that's where it became different for me because uh, I had to, you know, deliver a line. I had to look into the camera, which I've never had to do before. Yeah. You know, look into the camera and, and you know, look at my guest. And, and But I had fun with it. It was a blast. Like you said, we did 40 some odd topics. We had the governor on. We had lieutenant governor on. In fact, our first uh, video that we shot was on uh, marijuana legalization, as I believe, which I mean, is an old topic. It's not, you know, even relevant any longer because it's 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 legal. But we had um, judge was it Ben Joseph? Ben Joseph, and then David Zuckerman, who was the lieutenant governor at yeah. the time, uh, and opposing points of view on you know, whether or not marijuana should be legalized and. You know, I said, well, you know, you can do this, you know, two people or three people sitting in a, uh, in a, in a, on a stage somewhere, you know, with a fern in the background and a flag and, you know, the curtain. I said, no, let's, you know, we're going to get out. We went to Rosie's Lakeshore Tavern in Colchester and I got these two guys to shoot pool while we're discussing it. Yeah. And shoot darts and darts and, and play Pac-Man and, and, Pac-Man. and we found out <laughs> the lieutenant governor. Uh, man, he must have been pretty good in college. I don't know. He, he hit all these games. He, he beat Ben Joseph. Well, he and he was a proponent of marijuana, yeah. and Ben Joseph was against it. And he yeah. 
Lieutenant Governor seemed pretty relaxed and threw darts pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it really went well. That was the premise, and from there on, we shot 39 other videos, and uh, they're still on Facebook, I believe. Travels with Charlie on Facebook, if you want to see yeah, some of them. Yeah, uh, it's Travels with Charlie VT, and we're going to return to that because I want to talk about an episode. But I've got a caller now, Rama from Williamstown. Welcome to the show. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Hey, I got a question here, though, because you guys breezed over the subject of the uh, the, the number of missing workers in the workplace really yeah. quick. But I also want to I'm surprised DEV puts on a host who disparages people for wanting to take place in their local political processes to influence their local communities. And that's in reference to your discussion about the Walmart thing. But uh, that that's a. That's a long one. But with the workers, you know, we keep hearing, and this is not only in the U.S., but around the, this is a global issue, but certainly in the U.S., coast to coast, in Vermont, it's with, it's, it's everywhere you go. People say they can't find enough employees. Yet all the answers we keep coming up with seem to be requiring more employees and more people. So, I don't know how we fix that disconnect between our reality and the policy proposals, but there's a big gap there that we need to address in order. In other words, we can't keep expecting to get more people when everybody's saying they can't get enough people. That's not, that's not all right. It's, it's kind of like the milk industry, which has spent decades saying they're about to go under. They need support. And we keep supporting the milk industry, but it, it, and we end up going over the same problems over and over, and we'll do this with these uh, lack of employees. So that's a question out there. I think people need to answer it. Well, free money is going to keep people from wanting to work. I mean, I think that's the key right there. As long as we continue to bail them out, uh, there has to be an incentive to have a job, and there has to be pride in going to work and and secondly just a comment on you know disparaging people from uh, protesting i don't think you know any, either of us are doing that it's certainly just making a point that that's what happened it slowed down progress uh, there are two sides of the issue there's a group of people that didn't want to uh, didn't want uh, walmart and there's a group of people that did want walmart uh, obviously you know brad and i sit on the side that we wanted walmart there so yeah and I, it was just like to I'd just like to point out, I didn't say protest. I said people taking part in the available publicly in the public processes that are there to influence their local communities. And if you go back over, I'm sure this got taped. So if you go back over, you'll see that my use of the term disparagement is actually fair. It's well-deserved. Yeah, well. Listening to you guys. So I, I you can't sit there and, and disparage them for taking part. I mean, those processes are there. Everybody, I hear these arguments about Act 250 and the and the influences that it had where people say, oh, it's all unpredictable. Well, of course it's unpredictable. That's why we have the process to come out with an end conclusion. If it was predictable, we wouldn't need the process. You could fill out some forms and go about and do whatever it is you want to do. Yeah, and I don't I don't disagree with it, any of that. And just for the record, I am all about a process and having uh good civic debate about uh projects always. In the Walmart case, uh it was about 15 years to build a store when St. Albans had lost its aims and Woolworths and people were traveling to Plattsburgh and to Williston. And 
15 years just seems a little bit too long. Uh, so, uh, you know, but I'm all about, I think there should always be, uh, uh, good public discourse on those things. Thank you for the call, Rama. Much like it was going on right here. You know, we can have that, uh, discourse, yeah. uh, and we can agree to disagree, as they say, but, uh, um, yeah, so, uh, here we are, Charlie. We've, uh, got about three minutes till the, to the half segment, but we're on the eve of the 4th of July. Yeah. And really, if you think about it, this independence is what we're all about, right? Absolutely. We have a voice. We yeah. can, we can protest a Walmart in St. Albans and we can, you know, we can whatever, you right. know, that, that's, we've got something beautiful here. Yes. Yeah, we're not going to get thrown in jail for doing that, uh, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, some, some towns can't wait for the 4th of July. Burlington will have their celebration this evening. St. Albans had their celebration last night, correct? They did. Um, it was, you know, not the greatest weather in the world, but, you know, the fireworks went on. Bay Day went. They had, uh, the triathlon race and, yeah. uh, the, you know, the water portion, it was a little bit rough, I think, for, but, you know, this, this is how it works and, and the, everybody has fun. Many parades, uh, in the area tomorrow and, uh, the F-35s are going to make an appearance. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, my town, Colchester, will be the first to have the F-35s go down, uh, the, the main drag there in Colchester on Blakely Road. That's going to be at 10 o'clock in the morning. They're on a tight schedule. I've looked at the schedule and it's amazing how, you know, they get from, um, from Colchester up to, you know, Milton, I believe, is next, you know, like in four minutes, you know, yeah, they're yeah, there. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and are they in formation or is this a single jet or? Uh, uh, that I don't know. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, I've seen it in the past where uh, they'd have a number of them that would kind of come in relatively low. And, yeah. you know, Gorbett, this is when it was on Main Street in Colchester and they would just go right along that uh, that main drag. Uh, so, uh, you know, 10 o'clock tomorrow in Colchester, then Milton follows, uh, you know, and so on and so on. Yeah, well, it's exciting. Uh, I, I, I like seeing them fly over and, uh, you know, it's part of our freedom of speech, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So talking with Charlie Papillo this morning, uh, every other week, uh, travels with Charlie, uh, one o'clock here on WDEV. A lot of great guests and interesting topics that you hit, Charlie. Uh, this morning, uh, on the eve of the 4th of July, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the 4th of July. And uh, if there are history teachers out there and you want to call in at 802-244-1777, history buffs, and help us out with this. But uh, Great Britain... Uh, they had this French and Indian War where they spent a whole lot of money. This is sort of like the college debt thing, Charlie. <laughs> uh, so they they spent all this money protecting us from uh, what they uh, might call the powerful French in Canada. And they decided that uh, American colonists should really pay for that because they were protecting us and we're the recipients of their goodness. And they it started, sounds like a mafia story. Yeah, a little uh, bit. paying for protection. <laughs> right, It'd be right. a terrible thing if something were to happen here. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you colonists. <laughs> so they uh, they had a uh, stamp act tax. They had uh, uh, 
all sorts of taxes started coming down uh, with the colonists, the Sugar Act, and uh, we we colonists started getting a little rowdy in uh, in Boston. They were throwing um, the Tea Party, tea, right? The tea Party yeah. throwing tea into the harbor yeah. and protesting King George. We're talking about public discourse. It's sort of like, you know, maybe. It really makes up, uh, our genetic, does it yeah. not? I mean, the, you know, this is, and you see things that are going on today, and it's like, everyone thinks, oh, everything, all the, the protests, that's, that's really in our blood. Yeah. It always has been. We yeah. see something that we don't like, and we protest it. And it was considered, the old phrase was taxation without representation. Yeah. We, the colonists were just, obligated to pay and they were saying hey we don't have a say in this yeah um now it's kind of interesting i was thinking when i was driving down you know taxes aren't exactly low in vermont right? no they're not <laughs> we have some of the highest uh you know that's one of the things that we lead in yeah you always want to be number one that's one where you don't want to be number one we're very close to being number one and aren't we like number four or number five we're high and yeah. people, um, but that, but it begs the question, we do have representation. Yeah. Well, we do. You know, the other thing is we're a very small state. When you have, you know, less, you know, the population is so small and yet you want to have all the programs and, uh, and things that other states have and other communities have. Well, it costs. And yeah. and you spread it out over fewer number of people. That's why you're going to have higher taxes. So, you know, I always found this an interesting question when you said, uh, you know, when a school budget came up or when a you know city or a town budget came up, and people said, oh, it's too high. We need to we need to cut. And you want to shut somebody up? Just say, well, what program do you want me to cut? Right. You know, this is what a governor would say. This is what a mayor would say. Well, tell me. What is it that what is it that you want to cut? Nobody wants to cut anything. Yeah, all the services. It's a difficult. Um, I know that generally speaking, our community. I'm up in St. Albans. Often, um, school budgets pass. Yeah. No matter what, uh, fire trucks get bought. No matter what, people are generous. Yeah. You know. Uh, but then, you well, know, they understand the things that you need to yeah. make a, a community strong. Yeah, you need strong law enforcement. You need strong schools. Uh, you know, fire departments. Those are all things that you need in within a community. So back in the day, um, this group of men got together and the wording: "When in the course of human events it becomes necessary." For one, people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another. You know, it's kind of like marital relations. <laughs> it's, it's not. Don't get me so in good. trouble now, Brad. <laughs> uh, we, the colonists, uh, eloquently said, "Hey." These political uh, ties we have uh, aren't working very well, and and we're going to declare our independence, yeah. and uh, and that's what happened. It, it, it's really incredibly brave. Nice to have an ocean between you. Yeah. Um, if you were a shipbuilder, then that probably was a good thing. <laughs> and, and of course, they didn't have intercontinental ballistic missiles back then, so right, right. that made it a little easier. <laughs> and there's an awful lot of cannonballs in uh, Lake Champlain. Uh, I know that there's at least uh, Rock Dunder and Carlton's Prize were 
were two uh, battles where um, a lot of uh, lead was flying yeah, yeah. in the old days. Uh, so uh, today, Fourth uh, of July, is it about celebrating our freedom, or is it is it more a fireworks and picnic kind well, of thing? Well, I I think with almost all of the celebrations that we have uh, in this country, they, a lot of times we lose sight of what it actually is. And thank God that the 4th of July is still celebrated on the 4th of July. I know some communities, as I mentioned, do it earlier, and that's simply just to kind of spread it out a little bit. But how many holidays have we moved to Mondays so you can have that three-day weekend, you can have the car sales and you can have, uh, you know, the, the retail sales and all of that, uh, you know, people traveling, and, and people do lose sight of what it's about. I think you and I are old enough to remember Memorial Day wasn't always on a Monday, was it? Right, right. It, it fell on whatever day it fell on. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I remember it was just a much stronger feeling of what Memorial Day was because as a young boy, I had a dad who was a who was a Marine, and and he marched in the parade up Church Street in Burlington. I have a picture that I took of him when I was, I had to be ten years old, and he was carrying the flag, mm. and it's just he looked back at me as I snapped the picture, and I still look at that picture today, and I and and I look at the pride that was in his eyes carrying that flag. And that's what I remember about that day. I don't remember we went home and we barbecued hot dogs and hamburgs. It was about he was so proud to be marching in the parade on Memorial Day and and carrying the flag for the disabled American veterans. Yeah. And here, Fourth of July, fireworks, obviously, the picnics, the events, the, you know, triathlons and and all of that. And um, so... uh, listeners, if you want to join the conversation, 802-244-1777, what, what does the 4th of July mean to you? We'd love to hear some of your uh, patriotic stories or unpatriotic stories. Well, and those unpatriotic <laughs> stories might be, uh, you know, why you call somebody lefty now because, <laughs> you know, he, he did something with the fireworks or a firecracker that he shouldn't have done or, or um, what's – you know, what's your favorite uh, meat to throw on the grill? You know, this is grilling yeah. season, and, and let's be honest. I mean, many people are going to be barbecuing tomorrow and this evening. You know, what's your what's your favorite cut of meat on the grill? What do you like to do on the grill? Uh, why is it that in typically most families, the, you know, the mom does cooking inside the house, although it's not in my, my situation, but uh, I love to cook. Uh, but when it comes to the grill, Nobody can get near the grill other than dad, right? Uh, or the guy, right? Or the right. brother, the brother-in-law, uh, and, and always just so, uh, when he's around that grill, if you come over and you like touch something on that grill, like, I think it's time to flip that steak. Be careful because he's holding a two-pronged fork in his hand that could go through you. Don't touch anything on the grill when I'm at the grill. Is that right? Is you, that a is you that, own a that grill? Hold my beer moment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Lee and Kai and I were talking earlier about uh, about fireworks and stuff, and yeah. we're we're gonna get to that uh, shortly. Uh, the and talk about uh, 
we we lit firecrackers off around Fourth yeah. of July. Um, brought them in from Canada. I want to talk about that uh, in a little bit as well. Uh, talking with my friend and guest uh, Charlie Papillo, but I want to go to the phone lines. Uh, Diane, thanks for hanging on. Oh, that's okay. Um, I am retired. Ah, <laughs> back in yeah. Back in the olden days when I was working and and tea partying, even though I never drove a car, (laughs) and I definitely would like to eliminate, but mostly just cut back on some programs because, you know, tea, it stands for taxing up already. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So what are you doing for retirement enjoyment these days, Diane? Sorting papers. Ah, do you have a shredder? <laughs> yes, I do have a shredder. Exactly. Now, is any of that uh, classified material? <laughs> do we? Do I'm we need sure to? It is. Oh, oh. I, mean, I wrote it. I wrote it myself, but it will be instantly classified. I'm sure. <laughs> well, you can declassify it any time. You know, all you have to do is just think about it, and it's declassified. So, <laughs> will you be watching the fireworks tonight? Um, as I say, I don't drive, so it's up to my daughter or somebody if they wanted to take me there. But I don't like the mosquitoes yeah. and the, yeah. the, uh, the um, I don't like the music they have been playing in Burlington for 4th of July or Independence Day too much. Um, but the whole time you're sitting there trying to endure it so you can look at those really good fireworks. And by the way. I think they should make them private again, allow people to uh, do it themselves, and that would cut back on some expense in the city. Yeah, I don't know how expensive they are, but I assume a big well, I show don't, is, I don't think the city pays for it. Isn't it, it sponsored? I mean, they're, it, it's, it's fundraising. Yeah, it's fundraising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, cr- that's yeah. right. And, Diane, I don't know about, uh, you know, everybody doing fireworks. That, that could be – it needs to be somewhat, uh, um, you know – Somewhat over, regulated, yes. Well, not I, I wouldn't even say regulated. Just, you know, kind of overseen. All of a sudden, everybody's shooting off fireworks mm. all at once. Well, they do it anyway. Did you know that? They do yeah, it. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they, and they've – then leading up to it, uh, they've been doing it. It seems like they they all have that same sound, you know, that boom, uh, which the dogs love. <laughs> well, I had one of those bottle rockets. One time that I was trying to do it myself, the first rocket went up, curved over, and landed on the neighbor's roof. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I went, this is probably not a good idea. <laughs> Uh, and yeah. Diane, you sound, if you're retired, you probably did Pledge of Allegiance every morning at school. Oh, yes. Yes, I love it. Yeah. We still do it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Did you go to public school, Diane? Yes. Yeah. In uh, outside Rochester, New York, in mm-hmm. a little town called Penfield. Ah, nice. How many public schools mm-hmm. do the Pledge of Allegiance today, do you know? I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think a lot still do. Yeah, I, I would hope so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for the call this morning, Diane. We concur with you that nice taxes are a little bit high, and and we're glad you called in. Also, it's nice to hear Charlie again. Ah, thank you. Appreciate it, Diane. Thank you for for listening. Thank you for calling in today. Mm-hmm. All right. So, talking with Charlie Papillo this morning, uh, I'm reminded we were talking. Charlie and I were talking off air when I was a kid, and we would go up to Canada. We would be coming back through. We're almost to the border. And on the right-hand side was this colorful shop with 
fireworks, um, firecrackers, yeah. you know, all everything you they, possibly. They, they put it right there next to the border. Yeah. What, and do, it, what do they think you're going to do? Just stop in and look? Right. And so you. <laughs> and and you, did they ask you as you're coming across, do you have anything to, to de- declare? Are you bringing any fireworks back? <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't open the trunk. <laughs> they, they, If they were watching your car, they would see. And I don't know. I think back in the day, they, they maybe there was a little bit more lenience. Uh, I remember I was probably 12, uh, 12 years old, went to Kingston, Ontario, bought fireworks there, was, took a bus back. This is amazing that my parents would let me. How know, old were you? I was about 12. Oh my goodness. Took wow. the bus wow. back, went to Montreal and then came down. When we got to customs, a whole bunch of people, they took their suitcases out and were opening them outside of the bus. And I was in the back of the bus and I was freaking out. And lo and behold, it was just people who were um, multinational. It wasn't oh, okay. U.S. citizens. They left you alone. So I, yeah. I escaped the big one. And I'm assuming statute of limitations is over <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that, that I'm clear on that. My experience with fireworks was uh, basically, you know, just the fire. Firecrackers. I don't even know where we got them, but everybody'd have them. You could light them, and you know they'd all go off at once, or you would separate them and do them one at a time. Yeah, you always had the dare. And I want to remind: don't do any of if you know kids are listening. Do not do any of this. You know, Brad and I are certainly examples of uh, we lived through all of this, but we shouldn't have done it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You would hold on to it, um, or. There would be the occasional cherry bomb that yeah. somebody would have. Those were great because you could use them underwater, remember? Yeah, yeah. Drop them underwater. And then there were sparklers. And sparklers were the one thing that I think were – they were probably the first that were legal here in Vermont. And you know, you would get them with your parents. I remember having them in the backyard. And you'd light them just as it was getting dark. Right. You could write your name. Yep. Remember that? Yeah, You'd run around the, tra- the yard. You'd have the tracers from, uh, yeah. from this, this uh, sparkler. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you know, there's all kinds of warnings now that the tip of that sparkler, you know, your, your parents were giving you a, uh, you know, an item that was like 1800 degrees. <laughs> if you ever chased your, you're chasing your friends with a sparkler, you, you would have branded them. <laughs> you know, maybe some of you listening still have that brand on your back or you, your friend caught you and, you know. Well, and you would light one sparkler with another sparkler yes. at the end. Yeah. And when it got close to your fingers, it was getting kind of hot. And- yeah. The firecrackers, we would break the two inches in half and light the middle gunpowder. Oh, yeah. And then it would flare. Oh, absolutely. For a while. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and we survived, but like Charlie said, this is probably don't try this at home. No. You know, there are so many things that, uh, you know, when you think about your childhood that uh, you grew up with, uh, and, you know, here we are today, you know, whether it was, your mom leaving the turkey out, um, you know, overnight in the sink to defrost. They tell you not to do that today. Cooking hot dogs on a – we didn't – we never used, uh, you know, a metal uh, skewer. You you simply – you got a stick. 
yeah. from a tree. I was explaining this to my granddaughter the other night as we were doing s'mores, and she says, you know, the stick isn't long enough. Or, you know, I'm using a skewer. I said, you know, when, when we grew up, we, we just we went over and we cut a branch off a tree and you put the the marshmallow on the end of that little branch and you and you toasted it and we're fine. Yeah, and I'm I'm a marshmallow burner for the record. Oh, you gotta burn it. I, I like it. It's the burn best. goes right on the on the graham cracker oh, and Hershey bar. Yeah, absolutely. We love the carcinogens in, in that burn. <laughs> it's, it's just so good. Because there are those who will stand patiently for seven or eight minutes. Oh yeah, they brown it. Brown yeah, them. Forget about it. You know, get it. You know, catch it on fire. It gets that nice delectable char on it. I mean, who doesn't like their steak with a little char on it too, right? Yeah, exactly. You gotta have the char. Yeah, I'm talking this morning with Charlie Papillo. He's the host of Travels with Charlie. Also, the the series Travels with Charlie video, which is on uh, Facebook at Char- Travels with Charlie VT. We have a few more minutes. If you've got a Fourth uh, of July story, eight zero two two four four seventeen seventy seven. Uh, patriotism, is it still around? We hope it is. Uh, we certainly have the freedom of speech. We have the uh the the right to you know we we have taxes but we get to vote for people who uh who you know build the tax system yeah. so it's a pretty it's a pretty good system that we have it seems that uh i don't have the numbers in front of me but there was a recent poll and uh, you know patriotism is not as popular as it once was uh, i i don't know if it's you know the younger generation they seem to there seems to be, um, you know, a difference. They just they don't seem as patriotic as baby boomers, as some of the older Americans that are out there. Yeah, it's sort of maybe it's a take it for granted. You know, I remember my dad back in Cuban Missile Crisis yeah. time saying, you know, if if you hear this loud siren, you you go into this place in our house, and there's sort of there was a cement structure we had and. It was real. Yeah, we had the bomb shelters in school. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so Charlie, I really appreciate you being on the show. Hey, with I got to say, Brad, this has been a blast. I really enjoyed, uh, you know, coming in here with you today. This is something I've always had, uh, you know, just a, a passion for for radio, and you know, being here with you today and being on the opposite side of the microphone, it's a blast. I really well, enjoyed it. Well, it's fun, and we're going to do more of this, uh, and. It, maybe it won't be the holidays, but it'll be uh, some issue. And, of course, we'll talk both sides of it, Charlie. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> thanks uh, thanks for letting me come in today, Brad. Happy Fourth of July to all of our listeners, and happy Fourth of July to you and, and your daughter and uh, and your sheep. Yeah, they <laughs> uh, survived the fireworks last night, and as long as uh, they have hay, grain, and water, they're pretty happy. They're not protesting uh, <laughs> No declaration of independence. Life is simple for the sheep. Yeah, yeah. There's a lesson there, too, I think. Uh, so coming up on the show, I've got Elliot Greenblatt at uh, the top of the hour. We're going to talk about AARP and the fraud that you can avoid if you're cautious. And uh, we welcome your calls, 802-244-1777. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, and then at 10:30, um, Burlington Mayor Moreau Weinberger is joining me, and we'll talk about fireworks tonight in Burlington, and some of the problems that are going on with the homeless communities. Thanks, Charlie, for being here. Good to be here.
Did you know that Radio Vermont Group Digital Services can create videos including drone footage? We've even won awards for our videos. If you'd like to learn more and see examples of our work, go to rvgdigital.com. Radio Vermont Group, we're more than just radio. Good morning, it's Brad Furlan, Vermont Viewpoint, WDEV here in historic Waterbury, Vermont. And joining me back in the studio, our good friend Lee Cattell. Yeah. Welcome, Lee. Hey, thanks, Brad. <laughs> uh, I This is kind of an emergency jump in here for a moment because uh, during the morning news service at about uh, 8.57, I believe the time was, we gave away a pair of uh, Red Sox tickets to Carl from Heinsberg. And, Brad, I wrote down all the numbers that I thought I would be able to uh, use to contact my winners. But I have been unsuccessful in contacting Carl from Heinsberg. So please call the uh, studio here at 802-244-1777. We'd like to make contact with you to uh, make sure that we can get you to the Red Sox game tomorrow for the Fourth of July game against the Texas Rangers. It's a nice prize to win, and it would be a shame not to have that happen. So call the studio, Carl from Heinsberg, 244-1777 for that. And, of course, anybody else that wants to talk to Brad or his guest today can use that very same number to talk to him on Vermont Viewpoint this morning. Thank you for the time, Brad. Back to you. Of course, Lee, and we'll uh, if we don't hear from Carl right away, I'll I'll keep plugging it. We'll we'll get him. Thanks a lot. Because uh, I actually can't go to the Red Sox tomorrow, so <laughs> <laughs> hopefully Carl can. Uh, so this is Brad Furlan, Vermont Viewpoint, WDEV. My next guest is our. Uh, good friend Elliot Greenblatt uh, with AARP. Welcome to the show, Elliot. Thank you for welcoming me. And uh, no, I'm not interested in the Red Sox. Today, yeah. so I'm gonna, I will be. I will be at Yankee Stadium tomorrow. Ah, uh, uh, well, that will be exciting. I hope that it's not raining. I hope that you actually get some uh, decent weather for that. Uh, well, I hope so too. Yeah. So. We we love having you on the show, uh, Elliot, because it's such an important topic. Uh, we talk about uh, fraud. Uh, you represent AARP, and and today uh, one of the topics I don't think we've hit on much, but um, of high interest is is data breaches, and and maybe we can just begin with what is a data breach. Well, it's uh, something that, sadly, we as individuals have very little control over. Uh, data breach is when a criminal is able to successfully access files at some provider. And we've seen a lot of this happen. Uh, in fact, according to my records at this point, uh, we've had about uh, one in ten Americans since the start of 2023, uh, being a victim of a data breach at some company. And those companies range uh, from, well, the big one that, that's been mentioned repeatedly has been T-Mobile, where their personal data files on their customers ended up being compromised. But even places as, uh, you know, we wouldn't suspect, but Pizza Hut, the Yum Brands, which uh, includes uh, you know several restaurant chains, uh, American Airlines, 
So we're seeing this happen all the time, and it's basically a very uh, intelligent and well-equipped criminal is able to break into the code of a company uh, and secure their uh, data files. And the data files can include things like uh, your name, your address, your date of birth, your social security number, credit card numbers. So when, when I say about 50 million, roughly, Americans in this, this year, that doesn't count uh, people where the, the data breach hasn't even been reported yet. So if there is a, a data breach, and it's uh, like you mentioned some of the parties that that it happened with, do they have a financial responsibility if somebody gets money from you, or are you just warned that it occurred and you have to sort of take the responsibility? It's kind of a mixed bag. There is a requirement that when a company experiences a data breach, they have to notify the people who may have been impacted by that breach. And in that notification, a lot of information is passed around. And usually there is what uh, the company would consider to be a remedy. And the remedy is we'll give you, and then the terms of this change by uh, data breach, but we'll give you up to two years of identity theft protection through a major provider. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, very recently, folks who are covered by Blue Cross Blue Shields Vermont Blue Advantage received a letter saying that uh, there was a breach. It occurred actually back in January, but they were notified on June 2nd by the provider, and they were told that we're not exactly sure how this happened, but we know that we had this breach. Uh, we're going to offer you 24 months of identity theft protection and a million-dollar insurance policy to cover any losses that you've had. Uh, you just have to register and request it, and there are no questions asked. So that's the kind of uh, remedy that's proposed. The difficulty with that remedy is that it may not be sufficient. Wow. <clears throat> so if what if I just don't get the word? There's a data breach, I don't know about it, and then I lose $10,000. Is, is it uh, proactive back, or, or am I sort of out of luck? Uh, well, first of all, the, the difficulty, there's a difficulty in losing that much money. Uh, because typically, if it's through a breach involving a credit card number, credit card company will notify you that there's a problem. And, of course, you can see on your credit card uh, when you get the statement or if you check online that there's some purchases that don't make any sense to you. Mm -hmm. If it happens with a bank breach, banks, again, are obligated with a fiduciary responsibility that they have to provide you with uh, a remedy or at least notification and then a direction to go. And then thirdly, uh, for some losses, Vermont actually has a victim fund for people who are victims of uh, fraud. 
won't get full restitution, but there there is some help out there. Uh, the The problem is that data breaches are happening all the time. There have been literally uh, a couple thousand since the first of this year, and they're all over the country and all over the world. Virtually every one of these gives you a two-year data protection plan. Now, the problem with the data protection plan is that it's from the data notification. So your question, you know, what happens if I'm not notified and this takes place? Uh, you would have to go through a, a few steps and probably notify the Vermont Attorney General's office that this happened and that you weren't notified, and that kicks the wheels into action. Mm-hmm. So there are things you can do. The the kind of negative side to these remedies is that uh, in in my personal case, I happen to be one of the people who is a victim of the uh, Vermont Blue Advantage breach, but I was also a victim of at least three other breaches in the past year. They all offer the same exact remedy. And insurance companies don't give you multiple coverage. So if you're covered for a million, you're covered for a million. Uh, and then getting a second million dollar of coverage really doesn't provide you with anything. And getting a second set of 24 months of coverage uh, as far as the identity theft protection, again, doesn't offer you very much because you've already got that 24 months covered. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Elliot Greenblatt this morning with AARP about data breach and uh, what um, it sounds like it's it happens a lot more than we wish it would. We're talking this morning with Elliot Greenblatt uh, about data breach. Uh, he's with AARP and helping us understand uh, how prevalent it is and and what you should do and and what should you do if you're notified of a data breach Elliot um, involving you, you know your personal information well the the first thing to do is get copies of your credit reports you can go online or you can call the major credit bureaus and those are uh, Equifax Experian and TransUnion If you're a customer of uh, the Vermont State Employees Credit Union, uh, there's a fourth uh, credit bureau called Innovus. And you can contact them or you can contact your financial institution and say, how can I do this? They will provide you with the information. The important thing is there's one website, if you're online, that you should go to, and that is annualcreditreport.com. That's sanctioned by the government. It provides you with free copies of your credit reports from the major bureaus twice a year. And no strings attached. Some of the other ones, if you Google free credit report, uh, you'll find that there are a lot of commercial operations that attach strings. The second thing you should do, and this is for everybody, regardless of age, uh, have a credit freeze put in on your credit accounts with the credit bureaus. A credit freeze basically locks your information so that nobody can access it. And the only way 
you can get access to that is if you, as the person with the freeze, lifts the freeze for, let's say you want to buy a new car or you're changing uh, employment and you need to provide a credit report. It's very easy. All these services are free. The credit reports, the credit freezes, the unfreezing and the refreezing. So there's no real reason for people not to do this. And it's your best protection against any type of fraud, uh, whether it's through a data breach or, quite frankly, through slips that people make either on the phone or online. So credit freezes, credit reports. And if you do a credit freeze and then unfreeze, let's say six months later, if that's what it was, uh, does it catch up with the with your what we would call good credit information? All of the credit data still is being collected. Got it. It's oh. the ex, It's the access to the account. Yeah. So, for example, if I'm going to go buy a new car and take out a loan, then what I'm going to do is lift my freeze for that purchase and refreeze immediately. Got it. Yeah. Um, well, it sounds like it's fairly easy once you know how to do it, and it uh, would be a good thing to do. Now, uh, in fraud, also, there's so much online shopping, Elliot. It's just, it's in fact, it's probably at the demise of, of local uh, merchants sometimes. But can you give us some insight into sort of safety tips on that? Yeah, uh, one thing to understand is that the name of the company that you're dealing with, and I'm thinking of, let's say, you want to buy Puma shoes, and you want to go to their website. There are, according to my records, about 150 different websites that use the word or name Puma in them, and most of them are scams. So you need to be very careful when you're shopping online and know that you're going to the correct website. For example, if you're going to buy Puma shoes, it's Puma.com. But if you see a website that says Puma slash shoes.com, that's not the real website. So you need to pay very close attention to where you are. Uh, that's probably the best hint. Uh, the other thing to do is verify that website. And you can do that very easily by contacting Puma and saying, is this your real website? If not, what is it? Mm. But it is tricky because even if it says Puma slash shoes, I mean, it's, it sounds kind of legitimate, right? Uh, so it's, right. you gotta you got to be really careful on those things. Yeah, don't enter any credit card information on a purchase unless you're absolutely sure you're at the website that you want to be at. Yeah, um, and I experience this when, like, if I'm on Facebook or something and these pop-ups come and they're offering uh, product of, you know, any kind. Maybe it's lanterns for the outside, which, you know, actually with my farm – uh, it'd be kind of cool to have solar lanterns and I get tempted by that stuff, but a lot of this, some of this isn't, isn't even real, uh, merchandising, is it? You won't save money in the long run if 
you happen to hit on a conorist. And social media is probably the, the, the biggest area that we see uh, fraud being committed. So, you know, don't trust those uh, great buys that pop up while you're looking at Facebook or at anything else. Right. It can when be it's, very deceptive. When it's saying last day and it's 90% off, there's probably a red flag. Huh? <laughs> right. Well, think of, think of your local car dealer. You know, we're having the Valentine's Day sale, last chance. And then a month later, we're having our Easter sale, last chance. And a month later, it's Mother's Day. You know, the last chances are never the last chance. Yeah, yeah. Um, so gift cards are also a uh, a part of the approach by um, fraudsters, we'll say. Um, what are some of the red flags there for consumers? Well, Brad, have you ever paid uh, a bill using an Apple gift card? Uh, I have not, but um, I know you can. <laughs> well, I'm not talking about Apple. I'm talking about, uh, let's say, uh, a fine levied by a local government agency. You have a traffic ticket, you send in an Apple gift card. Okay, okay, yes, right, right. <laughs> the government does not accept gift cards and payment for your tax bill. Right, right. Uh, the uh, major company, well, any company that's legitimate, is not going to say, yeah, we'll take an Amazon gift card unless it happens to be Amazon. So anytime a uh, request is made, well, you can pay this by gift card if you go to Walgreens, that's a scam. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah. Uh, I- you know, Go ahead. Uh, well, I was thinking um, sometimes I see uh, a pop-up that says you can get a um, $100 gift certificate if you, you know, act now or something. Um, so I wasn't thinking about the pain. It was getting something, you know, coming through uh gift card for a, really a ridiculous amount that they're offering uh, if you sign up for something. Typically, you will not get a gift card. You'll get an offer that supposedly is worth that gift card value, and quite often it's magazine subscriptions. Uh, you know, the this whole thing of seeing an email coming in and saying, you know, Ace Hardware, you've won. If you don't do business at Ace Hardware, Ace Hardware is not going to randomly pick you out of the hat and give you money or give you a big discount on something. Mm-hmm. So if you're getting offers from from places you don't deal with, it's going to be a scam. At least 99% of the time it will be. It's not worth taking a chance. Ignore it. Delete it. If you get that message, not a good thing. We've got a couple minutes more, Elliot. Uh, robocalls and free trial offers. What are the what are the red flags there? Well, everybody's getting annoyed by robocalls. It's incessant. The calls are not coming from the United States. They're being made from overseas. They often will show your area code, so you think it's somebody nearby. But if you get a robocall and you immediately detect it, hang up. 
there's no purpose in staying on the line. The longer you stay on the line, the more likely you will make a mistake. So uh, now they're legit robocalls. You get robocalls from doctors' offices. Uh, folks with kids in school get robocalls from schools when there's an issue, such as a snow day. But if there's a robocall coming in and you hear nothing and then a click and then the message begins, it's a scam. Mm. Hang up. It's the best way to do it. And the same thing with free trial offers. Somebody calls you or emails you with a free trial offer, be very careful because quite often that free trial offer may be for something that, you know, might be three months of uh, a music service. But it doesn't tell you in that offer immediately that when you sign up, you're also signing up to renew the service at the end of the free trial. So it's just a matter of using, you know, just stepping back, thinking for a minute, why would this company give me something when I don't know them from Adam? Hmm. Why should I take a free trial when I actually didn't even look for it? Yeah, so we're um, getting close to being out of time. What what are sort of the the wind up uh, uh, advices or advice that you you give to to folks right now uh, to be on the alert for? Number one, credit report. Get a copy of it. They're free. Many credit cards actually will give you access to your credit reports. Credit freezes. Have credit freezes put in by the three major credit bureaus, possibly the four that I mentioned. It's a way to save yourself from suddenly finding that there's a bank account that was started in your name or a loan in your name that you didn't even realize was was there. Wow. So those are the things. Educate yourself. This stuff does not uh, stand still. I started doing this about eight years ago for AARP Fraud Watch, and in the eight years, the message has changed about every three or four months as far as what you need to be looking for. Yeah, and it's not like this is uh, accidental. It's You pointed out in the beginning of the show, this is happening a lot and affecting a lot of consumers, and it's big time. And we so appreciate that. Brad, the reason why they're successful. Yeah, yeah. That's why. Well, Elliot, um, thank you for once again uh, helping us with this. Uh, we'll be back with you in a month, the first Monday of the month. And also uh, have fun. I hope you catch a baseball tomorrow. Or uh, I'm, I'm hoping, too. Uh, when we come back in August, we'll look at scams that you should expect in the fall. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you. And uh, we look forward to talking with you again. Happy Fourth of July. And uh, we'll be right back after these messages. Good morning. It's Brad Furlan, your host on Vermont Viewpoint here at WDEV in historic Waterbury, Vermont. If you want to join our conversation, give us a call at 802-244-1777. My next guest I'm excited to have back, uh, Burlington Mayor uh, Moreau Weinberger. Welcome to the show. Hey, Brad. 
great to be back with you. Thanks for having me on again. Well, it's, uh, it's always good talking with you. I'm so old, Mayor, that I, I was born in Mary Fletcher Hospital, and I remember my dad uh, bringing me into uh, – uh, the park overlooking the lake when you could, when you, Battery Park where you, when you could drive and park there and, and look over the wall. So, and I, we probably had a dinosaur in the back seat or something. I'm not sure. You know, Brad, I, it's, uh, you know, I still get constituent complaints every once in a while that, 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 uh, that we aren't allowing, uh, cars in the parks. But it's been a few years though since anyone raised that with me, Brad. So maybe, uh, <laughs> well, that, it's been a while. It's, it's funny because earlier in the show, uh, Charlie Papillo was on me and we were talking, you know, freedom of speech, but it does lead to complaints and so it's not, it's not like it's all free flowing, Mayor. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not always, it's not always good, good news that we hear. Uh, it does tend to be, uh, people who are like going on dates in the 50s that raise that. Issue. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and now, now it's uh, it's pudding and and liquid. So uh, yeah, you should uh, you're, you know since you raised it, we're actually um, you should go back and check out the park. We're actually doing a little work right now to rebuild that uh, railing and that overlook. Uh, that right now they're finishing them. Stone masons are there as we speak, finishing it up. It's um, it's a little overlook we named after former mayor uh, Kane. Actually, wow, uh, Kane Kane overlook now. Uh, yeah, uh, mayor mayor back in the. So, I remember Mayor uh, Kane, and I, I'm also a big uh, Beansies fan, and they make you know as good a a red hot hot dog as is anyone around, and uh, it's a great place to just relax there and and, and enjoy. So uh, a lot of good Beansies things. Is going. Definitely still there. Yeah, go check it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you have. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the homeless in the hotel. Uh, an article you did in the Digger, but I also want to um, plug. You've got fireworks tonight. You've got a lot of people coming into the city to enjoy um, everything. And you want to? Yes, we sure do. No, thanks for raising that. This is one of our, you know, it is the, our biggest event of the year. We love hosting Vermont's largest fireworks show every year. It's going to be that again this year. There's some added features. We've got uh, a drone show that should be fun that is going on. Um, uh, before, you know, before it gets dark, there's a big band shell set up in, in the waterfront park. Uh, it's, uh, it's gonna be a great time. People should, you know, there's lots of food vendors. It's, it's gonna be great. Um, if it's too crowded for you in waterfront park, we have these new waterfront venues that we've built and opened in the last couple of years. You can watch the show from down at Waterworks Park, which is by uh, the Moran Frame, and that's a great place to take it all in as well. So, yeah, come on come on down. We'd love to have you here tonight. Yeah, definitely it's exciting. And, and there, like you said, there's a lot of places to view, and, of course, people will be out on the lake when they're boats and uh, – uh, it's, 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 and there's so many good eateries and all of that. So that'll be wonderful. Um, so on a, on a more serious note, you, you recently, uh, penned, uh, an article in, in the digger and, uh, one of the things that, uh, we're, hopefully you can update us a little bit about is people were in, homeless people were, were getting to stay in hotels and, and the legislature worked on that, but it's been in flux. What what are some of the updates on that? 
Yeah, I really appreciate the chance to talk about this. It's a really important issue for Vermonters to understand. There has been a lot of change here. I get, you know, to just step back for a moment on kind of how Burlington is involved in this. We, uh, you know, I was a former housing developer. That's what I did, you know, for 15 years before uh, becoming mayor. Almost all of what I built was permanently affordable housing. And I took that focus into office. It's been one of my top priorities for 11 years now. And we've made a lot of progress. In certain areas, we built uh, more than 1,300 homes the first 10 years uh, I was in office, and then we set at the end of 2021 a goal of, of, of building that many again in just five years. So we're really trying to increase housing production because the only the only way you really address the incredible housing challenges that we have right now, the huge costs we have, and the homelessness problem is by building a lot more homes. We also focus specifically on, on the homeless challenge because uh, – it, building homes is a huge part of it, but that alone doesn't get everybody off the street. What you really need to do is, is build a system for the community working together to house everyone. And we've been working on that uh, for about a decade. We built uh, Burlington was part of launching something called Coordinated Entry. And this is sounds like a wonky detail, but this gets very important to how we're going to solve the current hotel problem. Uh, coordinated Entry is essentially a system a real-time data sharing system that all of the organizations that are working on homelessness or providing services to homeless up here in Chittenden County use and, and put information into regularly. So it really tells you who is homeless in Chittenden County right now, what are their needs, what kind of housing do they need to succeed. And um, we also have staff and we put a, uh, uh, this system so that um, – uh, we have a, a command team that is is working on this on a weekly basis to place people and find the right housing solutions for our most vulnerable community members. This is something we've been working on for about a decade. At the end of 2021, we doubled down on this because it was very clear coming out of the pandemic we were going to have a huge homelessness uh, additional challenge given everything that had happened during the pandemic. And at that time, we created a special, a, a new position in Burlington, a special assistant to end homelessness. We put more of our emergency dollars towards that and towards strengthening this coordinated entry system. And it's been working. We've housed uh, over the last year. The system has, has placed over 200 households in permanent housing. And that's sort of where things were uh, as this spring took shape and as um, at the you know, as we got to this point where the state announced at the end of the legislative session that they were very precipitously ending the hotel motel program. So that's that's sort of the background. Um, you know, Brad, this hotel motel program uh, was something the state set up uh, and ran during the pandemic, um, and that that housed thousands of Vermonters, and it was it was a very important strategy early on. Um, over time, it became clear that it was something that we couldn't afford once the federal money um, ran out, and it became clear that there were that the program had never really been managed properly. Services had never been added to this. So, um, I and, and other mayors, uh, by the beginning of this session, called for the program to be uh, wound down in an orderly way. And what happened is. It, None of us could really have imagined that um, the that there would just be a complete failure on that. And instead of an orderly 
uh, wind down in the system. At the end of the legislative session, basically the state simply announced that the program was going to end on June 1st for about 800 people still in the hotels. And on July 1st, uh, a couple days ago now, it was going to end for 2,000 more very vulnerable Vermonters, women and children, elderly Vermonters, pregnant women, people receiving home health care. And um, that was the plan as of the end of the legislative session. Wow. Um, so 2,800 people. And we're talking about uh, sort of Maslow basic needs, right? If you need shelter, you need food, you need warmth, these kind of things. Uh, and, and then, you know, when you're out on the street, there's, there's other inherent problems. We know that, you know, the, the, the opiate problem is, is a big part of it. And the reverse is if we get people home and get them, get them homes and get them, Secure work and that kind of thing, they can they can get out of that problem. But I'm hearing that it's sort of going the other way. Yeah, that's exactly right, Brad. Like when people are in housing, in in stable housing, they have a foundation that they can um, work from and address the other challenges in their life. When people are um, on the streets or in you know, emergency shelters, it, it's it's very hard for them to kind of uh, be stable and recover. And so, and that, again, at the as of the end of the session, the, the state's plan basically was to put all of these people out of these hotels and either um, on the street or they were interested in setting up these congregate shelters. And what congregate shelters are, you picture a big gymnasium with cots in it. You know, that's the kind of solution that you use when there's natural disaster. It's not the way uh, to end a program that you've had years to prepare for. And so when the state came to us and other municipalities at the end of May and said, and this is really Governor Scott's administration, Agency of Human Services, they said um, they asked for our help setting up these emergency Congress shelters very quickly because they knew that everyone losing housing, this vulnerable group losing housing in July was not all going to have places to go, and that they they asked for help setting up these these cots and, and gymnasiums, and um, we heard them out. And then Brad, we said no. We said that's not the way um, to deal with this situation. And instead, we said let's use this coordinated entry system that we've built over the last decade to give us a little bit of time, give us six to eight months. And this system is housing 25 households a month. We will. Get all of the parties that work on this system focused on this group, and we can house everybody in six to eight months. And we had actually a vote up here at something called the Chittenden County Homeless Alliance. It was a 16 to zero vote that said this is how we uh, it just committed everyone to this being the housing priority until this group got housed. And we shared that uh, plan with the state and with both the governor's administration as well as state legislative leaders. And after initially, you know, there was a press conference back in late May where the governor voiced real skepticism about this, and it looked like they were going to reject it. Um, after uh, a few more weeks of deliberation leading up to the veto session, that became um, the basis that uh, the law, this companion bill that passed during the legislation um, it was really based on this concept. What that, if you read that legislation carefully, it requires everyone who stays in the hotels. It extends the deadline until next April. It requires people to 
participate in coordinated entry if they are going to stay in the hotels and, and, to, and to accept these alternative placements if they are given them. So this is a really good outcome, a much better outcome than we were headed towards just a few weeks ago. Um, but one of the reasons I wrote that article, Brad, is uh, I think it's really important for people to understand it's actually for this, for this to succeed, for us to get everybody housed by next April, a lot of work needs to take place statewide. I'm pretty confident we have built the systems to do that in Chittenden County, but a really comparable effort is going to need to happen in all these other regions of the state if you're going to get all 2,000 of those folks properly housed and for this to amount to more than just sort of kicking the can down the road further. Uh We're talking with uh, Mayor Moreau Weinberger of Burlington on homeless and the hotels shut down or started to shut down rather abruptly, and he's helping us with uh, sort of a longer-range plan that will help. Uh, Mayor, what I'm hearing is that uh, there was some compromise made, but there's a timeline on that, and uh, what are the what's the uh, process for hopefully making this uh, work out better in the in the future? So. Brad, yeah, I mean, what really needs to happen now that this there has been this extension, and I do think that the way that the legislation was written puts some important new rules in place that provide uh, a good basis for this program working. But um, really, to get all of these two thousand Vermonters again, and these are vulnerable, many vulnerable people. These are women with children. These are elderly Vermonters. These are people who are receiving home health care. Um, to get all these folks into placed in, in stable housing, you, I think you basically need what we have created here in Sydney County, which is, first of all, a, a single point of accountability. They're never, they're really, until 2021, there wasn't really anyone whose job it was day in and day out to, to end homelessness here in Chittenden County. Now there is. We, we created this position in my administration called a special assistant to end homelessness. Uh, Sarah Russell is this outstanding woman with a lot of experience in this area who is in that role now, and she every day uh, works hard to, uh, to really try to address this problem in a systemic way. Then next thing you need is accurate, real-time data. You need to know, you need a by name um, <clears throat> updated database of all the people who are homeless. And honestly, this is a challenge right now. This, it, As of right now, on July 3rd, it's been, you know, what, a couple weeks since this legislation passed. I don't believe the state has yet been able to give us, the Chittenden County group that is going to house everyone, a full name, a full list of all the 165 Households that need to be placed. Um, they don't, the data systems are in bad enough shape that at the state level, they haven't been able to share that information with us yet. Uh, I think, you know, we're, we're going to get there, but we need to get there quickly if we're going to have a really coordinated, uh, systemic approach to getting everybody housed. And so that really needs, to, and that's just in Chittenden County where we already have a pretty good system. The rest of the state is going to have to, I think, create, um, in many cases, this kind of system for sharing information from from scratch. Um, and then the final thing, and ultimately this is the hardest thing, is you need there needs to be a lot more homes built statewide. 
in Sittenden County, there's been a real focus on that for some time. So in this period between now and next April, there's going to be coming online about 100 new permanently new homes that are targeted for formerly homeless households. Uh, that that's going to help us get this, this 165 households approximately housed. I'm not, you know, it's not. I I, I don't know uh, because it's not really been where I've been working. But something similar needs to be happening statewide to house these other 1,700 Vermonters is bringing online these new permanent homes. And I know some effort is going on in that, but whether, you know, that's something that needs real attention. Are there going to be these homes that are specifically targeted for this population that have services attached to them? Is that going to be coming online during this period? If those three things don't come together, I think you're going to get to next April, and in certain parts of the state, you're still going to have a lot of people stuck in these hotels. Mm, that doesn't sound like a good situation. Is Burlington able to uh, sort of circumvent, I don't know if that's the right word, the Act 250 process? Are you, are you able to do more uh, inside permitting so that you can achieve these goals, or are you hampered by, by state law as well? <laughs> well, you know, that's a great question, Brad. Actually, that, that was my last... Uh, BC Digger commentary back at the beginning of the year. Unfortunately, no. Um, we uh, projects that when a, when a builder wants to build more homes, whether it's a nonprofit builder or a for-profit builder, um, uh, if they come want to build you a project in Burlington, if they are not in a small geographic area, the downtown or the slightly larger neighborhood area. Um, they, if, if they're in that area, they can skip the Act 250 stage. But for about three-quarters of the city, the area where we want to build housing, um, you have to go through both processes. There is no exemption. And it's just crazy, Brad. And it's something that I testified and worked very hard on in the legislature last year is that, you know, there's no reason to send these projects through both processes. We already, in the local process in Burlington. We already reviewed 90-95% of what um, Act 250 does. They're, the planners in Burlington, Winooski, and South Burlington couldn't think of a time in the last 15 years when there had been a substantial difference in the outcome between what happened at the local permitting level and what happened at the District Commission Act 250 level. So it's just completely redundant. It's an enormous amount of time and cost involved in going through those two layers, and it's one of the biggest regulatory barriers that could be eliminated tomorrow um, is, uh, is, is just getting rid of that, and there would, be no, there would really be no negative impact on the, on the public from getting rid of that redundant, costly layer. Um, fortunately, it looks like we are on a path now where this has a good chance of happening. At the, at the very last moment in the legislative session, uh, we did get into S-100, this bigger housing bill, um, a commitment to uh, – for basically a plan for this, this – to get rid – this municipal delegation, as we're calling it, to happen uh, with a study over the summer and then a, a commitment to making it happen next year. It's not done yet, but there's a good chance that that housing barrier is going to go away because of those efforts. It's very interesting what you say, um, Burlington, South Burlington, your growth center – uh, environmentalists talk about the sort of the European model, uh, having, having, you know, the focus being in a geographic area. It's, it's, it's so intuitive to, to really build your housing, 
uh, without, without a lot of uh, encumbrance. Um, so I hope you get there, Mayor. That it certainly makes, uh, common sense to do it that way. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Brad, to reference the sort of European model, not just in terms of like physically how you tend to see really clustered development in Europe. Also, their system is not, they have it for both for, for housing decisions and major infrastructure decisions, uh, you know, whether it's roads or public transportation or in, increasingly the kind of electrical infrastructure that's going to be necessary to address the climate emergency. Europe has a system where they make political decisions and, you know, they have democratic debate about it, but then a decision is made and that, deb- that, that decision sticks. Here in Vermont, we far too often kind of have this, people sometimes call it a bitocracy, where you, uh, you know, we've given um, so many different organizations and individuals the ability to block government decisions that it is very hard for us to get our public infrastructure built, very hard for us to get housing built. And until we address that, um, you know, that is, I think, fundamentally why we have such an enormous homelessness and housing challenge in Vermont is we've made it very, very hard to build. And we're going to have to do that sort of fundamental work to make it possible for communities to direct where they want to go, I think, if we're going to build our way out of this. Yeah, we have about 15 seconds. Mayor, I really appreciate you being on the show today. It may require throwing tea into Burlington Harbor. Uh, we've got a democracy <laughs> Well, we're, we're behind you and we hope that you succeed in, in these efforts because it's very important. And I thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks, Brad. Happy Independence Day, everyone. And talk to you again soon. Very good. Thank you.